0: Amen. Well thank you for being nice to me. (laughs) You're okay, good. All praise to Jesus. Woo, wow. Well, I want to thank everybody who came and I want to thank everybody who's online and everybody's important. Uh, If you came and you have a face mask on, thank you for coming you're welcome. If anybody gives you a hard time, I personally will have a conversation with them. And if they're really big, I will let Marlon do it. <laughs> we just want everybody to feel welcomed. Whether they're afraid or broken or, or any, wherever you find yourself in life, Jesus welcomes you. That's the main thing. He welcomes you, and he does not discriminate, and he doesn't hold things against us. He wants to draw people to himself, and that's what we need to be be doing by his grace. Hey, wasn't that song amazing? Uh, The Lord bless you. I I think I shared uh, one of those little videos we did about uh, how penetrating that song was for me one day. Uh, Coming home, being up here, and got home, and that part, the Lord's for you, and just had one of those moments in my life where it didn't feel like the Lord was for me. You you know what I'm talking about? That's the way life goes. We all have those moments where, Lord, are you really for me because it sure don't feel like it, and it sure doesn't seem like your presence is with me right now, but he is, uh, sometimes the Lord just allows us to to feel brokenness and feel. Uh, I, I think the Lord uh, values weakness uh, way more than we do. We value strength. We value power. He values weaknesses because the Bible says, "In your weakness, I can be strong." It gives God the opportunity to do something beyond the natural. And, and those are what those moments are all about. It's allowing God to, in, to come into your space and be to you what you can't be to yourself and what nobody can be for you. The power of God comes in weakness. It comes in brokenness. It comes in humility. It doesn't come in strength. And so when we're strong, we're going to re- miss some things. So I'm saying all that because the last few months have been a... a Terrible time of weakness for me. You know, on a lot of levels. And, you know, a lot of it was just I didn't want to put up with what was going on. And have to deal with things that I didn't know how to deal with, I've never dealt with before. That'll bring you to a place of weakness. And, you know, and just learning to embrace the Lord in those moments is what's really the most valuable thing that God's been doing in my life. Me embracing Him. When I feel just weak, and I feel like I don't want to mess with anything, and I don't want to think about some new problem that I might have, it's really been a time of surrender for the body of Christ, I believe, and, and I feel like it's, we really need to bring ourselves to a place of surrender. I mean, this morning, me and Becky was praying and doing communion, and, and once again, we surrendered this church to the Lord, because it's not our church. This church doesn't belong to us, and it belongs to Christ. And this church needs to be a church in His image, and not in. And certainly, please don't let it be in my image. Becky would be better, because <laughs> she's more attractive. But I just think, as always, everything we have, we hold it with open hands. Okay, we hold it with open hands. Our freedom in in the United States, we need to hold all that with an open hand, and know that it's a gift from God, we're not entitled to anything. We're not entitled. Let's don't be entitled people. Let's be people who receive a gift and treat it as such and cherish it as such and do what, you know, and steward it as such. And as we do that, God will give us wisdom on how to live our life in a way that's honorable, but not giving in to the wrong thing we'll know where to use wisdom, we'll know where to resist, we'll know what to do. But if we take this entitled approach to to life and to to the liberty we have in this nation, then we will miss the very heart of Jesus. We'll miss the gift that He's given us. And, And our gift of freedom and our gift of liberty to join together as people will be abused and we will quit being the body of Christ. We will no longer represent Him. Because He didn't come to the world. And he, the Bible says that He voluntarily laid aside the part of Him that was truly God. He laid it aside and became a man. He didn't quit being God. He just didn't take advantage of his, his, who He was as God. And He lived as a man full of the Holy Spirit right so I'm just sharing that with you I'm going to read Acts 2 1 through 4 that wasn't my message I'm shifting in the message now I'm just telling you stuff that I think is important so surrender just surrender surrender what you think surrender what you think must be and how things should be surrender that and let let him tell you how it should be let him direct that in your life And he will, and he will give you a lot of authority in your voice into the situations that he puts you. And he's put some of you to speak some things into situations and circumstances in different realms of society. He's put you there, and he wants to use you there. He wants to anoint you there. Whether it be the business world, the educational world, the political world. God has a plan to speak into those places. And it, and I think Corey said it so amazing. His plan is us. We're the plan. We're the plan. And he wants to begin to let that authority rest on us. When we begin to speak, it would be as Christ spoke. And when we begin to make decisions, it would be as he made decisions. He always used wisdom when he dealt with with the world out there, with the with the government. He you had much wisdom. He always knew the right answers. And we can have those that same wisdom and right answers. I really believe that. woo Lord help, right? On the day of Pentecost, this is Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Isn't that a, a beautiful word? <laughs> hey, thank you, Lord. Whether that one place is in your house this morning or if it's in some church building or some it's a hard thing, but it's nice to be together with people. It's a lot more fun preaching to, with people looking at you than looking at a camera and like, uh, I'm having to learn how to preach again, y'all. I got used to preaching to a camera, which was kind of hard at first. You know what I found out? I want to tell you this. I found out this. I am very dependent on you when I speak. I'm serious. Very. There's a spirit. There's something spiritual about preaching that I've never in my entire life really understood and, and it's, it's a corporate thing it's not just a person doing something it's the body doing something it, it's, it's a mystery but I discovered the first time I started talking to that camera it's like my gosh I'm alone I, I don't have something that I need that I desperately needed I desperately depend on and that's and I had to learn that I really did have it but I had to see beyond where I was at but you're important there's no such thing as just spectators we 're all important, no matter who you are and what you bring to the table you 're important, and we need you, we desperately need you The, the church needs you, the world needs you you 're a valued commodity in heaven, and it 's not just people who get up here and sing or get up here and preach or prophesy. those are not the most important people. The most important person is jesus he 's Jesus is king and we 're all we're all in this boat together. So we participate in this together. Anyways, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. That's, good. That's what we're looking for. Like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability. I love that. This is the great uh, you know, message on Pentecost. And just uh, this is besides the point, but the longer I have walked with the Lord, the more I have realized I'm a Pentecostal. I used to deny that. I denied I was charismatic. I denied I was Pentecostal. I would deny all of it. I'm not any of those things. But the truth is, I'm a Pentecostal. And I believe this from the bottom of my heart. Every believer in Christ should be a Pentecostal. Pentecostal, what we're talking about here doesn't belong to the Pentecostal and charismatic church. It belongs to the body of Christ. It's everybody. We all should be Pentecostal. Whatever that looks like in, in, in a setting really is besides the point. But we should all be Pentecostal. We should all be Holy Ghost. We should all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not, we've missed the boat, we've missed everything. Anyways, well, Pentecost. Well, let me tell you, last year at this time, I was in Israel. Shavot is what they call it in the Hebrew, it, huh? Shavahot. Well, anyways, I'm not. I'm still working on my Hebrew. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. Thanks, though. I really appreciate that. I love. So, man, I love Israel. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. God has not forsaken Israel. And God is just very interesting. Because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus returns, guess where he's going to touch down at? Hey, that's kind of an important place. It's Jesus' home country. That makes it important. So, you know, but man, there's a war over that place. Anyways, um, you know, there's like seven feasts, Dean can correct me as I go, seven feasts that God instituted. Three of them were vital feasts that were God, and the first one is Passover, okay, and Dean gave a great message on Passover, by the way, if you never listen to it, go back and listen, it's powerful. Uh, second feast, major feast is, is this, Pentecost, and the third feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, and those were the three main ones. Where the Lord said to, to all the men of Israel, "You it was you." They were required. This is Old Testament. Required to go to Jerusalem and celebrate that feast. That's how important it was. So it, on Pentecost in Jerusalem in the ancient days, was full of people. It was packed with people, and there was celebrations. There was food. There was fun. There was. Worship, there was all these things that God wanted. And, and it became, it was a feast. Originally, it was a feast to celebrate the harvest. Because they had a harvest at that time, at the, you know, this time of year. They had this harvest, so they, they celebrated the harvest. They was, it was Thanksgiving, it's what they were given in, in the early Pentecost. Later, it became, you know, one of the things I have found out about myself, watching myself preach, is like death. It's, it's just death watching yourself. Like you wanna, so if you want to be broken and humble, go start speaking in front of the camera and go back and watch yourself. And make yourself watch all and watch all these little things you do. Like, why? Why is he doing that? Like, oh my gosh, why do you do this? Why do you squeeze your shoulders together? when you t- why, why do you do this with your hand? My granddaughter's been telling me this for a while. About now I know. So I'm trying to be better. Anyways, Lord help. Uh, it became a celebration of the giving of the law of Moses. That's what Pentecost became, where people say. And I think Dean has mentioned several times over the years that you know what, three thousand died on that day when the law was given. But on, on in Jerusalem, on, in in the new covenant, the first Pentecost that was celebrated, three thousand people were born again. It was just none of that's by accident. It's all a contrast to show what God was doing. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Actually, the word Pentecost is more is the Greek word. Where Dean's word is the Hebrew word. Okay, I'm not. I've got Pentecost down, but not the the other one. Uh, But it means fifty. That's what. That's the meaning of that word fifty. Because well, one it was fifty days after. Uh, many of you may know this, but I, this is all very prophetic. This is all very powerful if you think about it. It means fifty. Now here is where I want to give you some thoughts on this about fifty in the Jerusalem in the Hebrew world. And I promise you, everybody knew this uh, on that original Pentecost. Fifty was is considered jubilee. Uh, Leviticus twenty-five. If you want to go study that amazing, interesting book of Leviticus. There is this thing called a jubilee. Every 50 years, there was this year of jubilee where they would... It was a year of rest. That's what it was. It was a year of rest where they would stop working. And God would provide for them. What they harvested that year, they would have enough to last them... The next year where there was no, no uh, harvest, even into the third year where there was not even another. So it was like three years that they had worth of harvest in that one year. And it was also a time of liberation. It was a time. Here, I've went through this thing, and here's some of the things that happened in, in the ancient Jubilee. Peoples who had lost their property, their property was restored to them. If you had debts, Their debts were forgiven and canceled. Come on. We're talking Old Testament. There's something bigger here. There was a restoration of family. If your family were slaves and everybody was broken up, the families were brought back together. Boy, God has got something to say. There was an increase of their fields. What I mentioned, prosperity. Uh, There was a promise of safety from oppression. There was a guard that God put over his people. We sang it, the Lord keep you. That means he protects you. Okay, and like I mentioned, there was a triple blessing that came upon the people. You know what I think about this thing? I've come to change my theology about some things. Uh, You know, we always want that double portion. Well, that's asking for too little. Did y'all know that? That's Old Testament asking. New Testament asking is unlimited. There's no limit of the spirit. That's what Jesus Jesus wants us to shift from trying to have double or even triple to something that has not boundaries on it and limits on it. That's really the New Testament new covenant thought on how God wants us to think. And you can see how ingrained some of these old thoughts are in in us, some of these old beliefs. And it all, you know, you can that all sounds great preaching it, but the truth is it's a fine thing to preach, really, but the truth is it's something better. Okay? So here's the thing. Jesus actually preached about Jubilee in Luke 4. A lot of people don't know it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the fore, to set the captives free. To heal the broken hearts, to open the blind eyes, to declare the favor, the acceptable year, the favor of the Lord. And if you were a, a Hebrew person who heard Jesus saying that, you would know right away he's talking about jubilee. Jesus is the fulfillment of jubilee. Jubilee was fulfilled in Jesus. It was all fulfilled. He made it all happen. It's all, it's taken place it's great to celebrate the 50th. It's great to celebrate a ju- jubilee. But the truth is, in Christ is fulfilled. And he wants us to tap in to that. And that's what Pentecost has become. Pentecost, I believe, is a celebration of what Christ has done on the cross. The finished work in all that he has for humanity. That's what we're celebrating today. We're not celebrating trying to get God to do something. We're celebrating the finish, the done deal, and we're going to celebrate and tap into it. That's the heart of God. That's what Pentecost should be to us, and the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, was poured out on Pentecost, because He is the means, He is the person of God that brings all these things to us. He's the one who releases all these things to us. Are y'all following what I'm saying this morning? This is not just trying to row up something or trying to speak something. This is the truth. This is the heart of God the Father. That's why Jesus said, wait for the promise, the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit that was given on Pentecost. He said, wait on that. You've got to have that. You can't do any of this. You can't live this. You can't embrace this. You can't have this working in your life until that prom, the promise comes. And when he comes, he will begin to lead you into this truth. He will begin to comfort you in this world. He will begin to heal you and set you free. And I'm going to just tell you all something. This is really the truth. We've got to be people who begin to press into this. We can't be, uh, we've got to be more intentional about some of this stuff. We got to. I don't know about you, but I'm not young as I was yesterday. I realize my days are numbered, just like your days. I've got to start making my time count on this earth. We all do. I don't care if you're five years old. We got to become. We got to be a little bit more aggressive as believers, because if we don't, we're gonna we're gonna miss out on some things, and we could possibly lose some things. We could possibly lose some things. By being passive. Because you don't find a passive Christian in the Bible in terms of the New Testament. Huh. Wow, I've spent so much time. What time did I start? Somebody tell me. I'm trying to be better at preaching here. Okay, good. I'm good. So, uh, you know, I wanted to share this little thing with you about, um, you know, when the Holy Spirit came... Um, he came in the form of of wind and fire and and tongue, a tongue, okay, so I think most of us understand that, you know, the Bible uses a lot of metaphors, right, a lot of analogies about the Holy Spirit, you know, think about the Holy Spirit, some people think comforter, that's the thing you put on your bed, right, keeps you warm, cozy, he's a warm and cozy kind of guy, Right? Different analogies. The Holy Spirit, river. That's what I always, the first thing when I think about the Holy Spirit, I think, river. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living waters. I'm into, I'm into the river thing. So there's all these different ways that the Bible uses to describe the person of the Holy Spirit. And that, he, that God wants us to embrace that person, so He gives us analogies, He gives us metaphors, so we can engage the person of the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with Him. And so I thought these three things that that he how he came are very significant: wind, fire, and and I'm not going to say tongues because I'm talking about a tongue, your tongue, my tongue. See, this is this is vital, I believe. So let me tell you just a little bit. Are you good? All right, one, when is air in motion, correct? That's what wind is. Wind is air in motion. Everybody knows this, that we need what? Air, food, water, and light to live in the natural, okay? You can't live without those. But you can go without food and water and light for a time, right? But you can't go without air very long at all. In fact, I remember one time playing, when I was playing baseball when I was in, Growing up playing baseball. Baseball practice. The coaches up there hitting pop flies to everybody, and you you know, you would catch it. Okay? Well, it was a nice day with clouds everywhere until the pop fly hit to me and the sun, the cloud, the sun came out of the cloud just as I looked up and I lost the ball in the air. I couldn't see it. And next thing I know, this ball hits me right here in the solar plexus. And I went immediately to my knees, because <gasps> it had not All the air out of me. All the air. We can't live without air. Just like a fish can't live outside of water. You cannot live and move and have your being without the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things he was wanting the body of Christ to know right from the beginning. You can't live without me. You're going to die without me. You're supposed to live in me. And, and I'm supposed to live in you. Air is all around us, and air is in us. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is meant to be for us. We can't. And if you don't have it in you, if you don't have him in you, you're not going to live. Right away, the Holy Spirit is vital for, for our life. Can I read this Genesis 2-7 right quick? It says, In the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life. This is one of my favorite scriptures in in the Old Testament. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man became a living person. God that word for breath there it is Y'all know this, it means ruah, it means air in motion. It means wind, that God breathed into this man, Adam, and and this man came alive. It's beautiful that the Bible says that God spoke into creation everything that existed, except for one thing. There's one thing He didn't speak into existence, and that's us. It says He formed us with His hands, and that's why abortion is the sin of the ages. Because God has created every human being, every human being, every one of you, whether you realize that, God has a hand, has been on you. He's touched you. He personally made you and I in our mother's womb. He personally did it. And I believe if we could shut that door on abortion, we could shut the door on a lot of this hideousness going on in our nation. I believe it's a root of a lot of sin. And so God breathed into man, and he became a a living person. And I believe that was the same breath from heaven that came on Pentecost, that came on Adam that day, except this time he was breathing on humanity. For anybody who would receive that breath, you could could come alive and be alive and live. You know, wind is a, a, a carrier of sound, you ever thought about how sound moves? Sound can move through a lot of things. It moves through solids. It moves through gases. But it moves through air. That's primarily how we're hearing stuff is sound is coming at us through the air. And so that's how we hear the Holy Spirit. I mean, how we hear God speak to us. The Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks God's voice to each one of us. And so we can't even hear God without the Holy Spirit. And also another thing about air, air is invisible. Right? You can't see air. There's air all in here. We can't see it. But when, when the air conditioner comes on and you feel it, you can feel air's movement. You can see the uh, results of the air's movement in a tree. A hard wind can put your tree down. We can see the air's movement, the spirit's movement in a person's life. We can see them react to it. People can do things They can have manifestations. They can weep. They can laugh. They can shout. They can jump. They can fall down. These are are the manifestations. These are the results of the air coming on a person. The air blowing across a person. That's what that stuff all is. It's it's a result. It's it's God doing something. It's the Spirit of God moving. And when He moves, stuff happens. Just like when the wind blows, stuff happens. So... Amen, the next one is fire. everybody say fire, fire. You know, Holy Ghost fire. Uh, of course, God is described in hebrews eleven twenty nine he 's a consuming fire that 's how the Bible describes God, and many times in the Bible, fire represents god 's presence okay that 's what the Holy Spirit was doing, that. and when they saw that thing they thought was fire. It was the presence of God coming to the earth. Not just in the form of one man Jesus, but for all men to be able to enjoy that presence for all mankind to live in the presence to do what that song said, "Your presence is with me is behind me, is in front of me, beside. that God on Pentecost, God made that available to us his His beautiful manifest presence He really did, and of course, you know uh, when Israel was in the desert. There was a pillar of fire that led them at night. That was God leading them. That's how we're led. We're led by this same fire. Um, oh, the road to Emmaus. That's, that's equivalent to the pillar of fire. That's the fire, but it's inward. is this it says Jesus, they said, didn't our hearts burn with us within us as he spoke to us on the road? That was the fire of God burning in their heart. Don't you just... just crave that I I crave that I crave it like I crave sweets when I can't have any I'm off sweets so I think about them a lot can I have a cookie <laughs> but man there's nothing like craving that presence that burning of God just to burn in me Lord I want you to burn in my heart I want my heart to burn Lord I don't want to be passive Jesus said I don't, want you, I don't you're not hot or cold I, I want you to be one or the other don't be passive. Don't be in the middle. There's no middle ground. With God. There's no middle road with God. There's really not. There's just no middle thing. We're, we're going to walk in the middle. We're not going to be extreme. No, he wants you on fire. That's what God is looking for, and that's why the Holy Spirit came as a fire. Of course, fire gives light. You know, we, we can't live without light. We'll, we'll die, right? When it was cloudy for like a week and a half here years, like, a, I'm dying. I'm depre- People get depressed. When, the, when there's not light. You're going to get depressed as a believer if you don't have this fire. If you don't have this light from heaven shining in your life. That's, what's wrong with the, law of the world today? that They're on, on medications because they're suffering with depression. Because they don't have this fire. Somehow or another they've lost a the fire. Or they've disconnected themselves with the fire. Or never had it. They've never had the, this light burning in them. And that's not a put down if you're on medicine by the way. Okay. It's like telling somebody, uh, don't wear a glass. I also always tell people, don't wear glasses then if you want to put that down. You know, right? Y'all get that? Yeah, yeah okay. It's important. Because I want people to feel, if you're on medicine for anything, don't feel bad about it. Feel like God's helping you to get to where you need to go so you can get healed. That's what I think. Uh Oh, this is another one. Fire has purifying power. Purifying power. Metals, gold, silver, iron are all purified by fire. I think about Isaiah up there in Isaiah 6 where he spoke about his mouth, the words that he spoke and how it was, it was terrible and how he was broken. And guess what God did? The angels did. They took a coal from the fire. And put it on his mouth. To purify him. See there's a very powerful purification that can happen for us. We can never live a pure life. We can never think pure thoughts. We can never do pure things. Without the fire of the Holy Spirit. You see this is such a vital thing that God was trying to tell the church right from the beginning. He was trying to say this is necessary. You can't do this without me. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. That was his whole thing, why he showed up. And another great thing about the fire, you throw a piece of wood in a fire, guess what happens? The fire and the wood become one. The, right? That's what can happen. We can become so one with that fire that we, you can't separate us from him. That we become one with him, because, and we burn with him. Let me read 2 Corinthians 3, 17. I'm just giving you all some of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, For the Lord is the Spirit, And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're talking real freedom. We're not just talking about freedom to get to do what we want to do and American-type freedom. We're talking about freedom that's on the inside that can break out of us and change the world and bring the world into this true freedom. That's the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings. So all of us who have had that veil removed that's when you get born again can see and reflect the glory of the Lord we can see this glory God wants us to be able to see beyond what we're seeing and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we have changed in his glorious image that's the fire that's the fire burning in us as we connect with this fire and I just want to point out to you this is really vital you know when Jesus everybody agrees Jesus, Jesus is Lord right? but guess what Paul said here who did he say was the Lord for the Lord is the spirit did you hear that for the Lord is the spirit let me read that and he said it next time and the Lord who is the spirit don't you think Paul was trying to give us a hint don't you think he was saying, the Holy Spirit's not optional. He's not somebody to be toyed with. He's not somebody to, to uh, decide if you're going to receive what he's doing or not. Oh, of course, you have that choice always, but don't... He was saying, he's the Lord. If you're going to walk under the Lordship of Jesus, you have to walk under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. And what he does and what he says, you need to bow to. That's what he was saying. The Holy Spirit's the Lord. He represents Jesus on the earth. Are y'all, y'all hear that? I want you to hear it. It's important. That's one of the things that we need to really get. All right, I'm going to finish up here. I've got to hurry up. The last one was the tongue thing. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. But just to make it clear, I very much believe in speaking in tongues. And I speak in tongues a lot. Because I'm not good at praying, prayer, normal prayers. I'm really not. I'm terrible. I pray for about three minutes with my mind, and it's like, uh, what did you mean to pray about, Lord? I'm just, just you know, help. I like praying in tongues. It really affects my life, and it's easy to do because you can do something else while you're praying in tongues. <laughs> you know, you can drive down the road. I've talked to people on the phone. I'm praying in tongues while I'm listening to them. Like, I need some wisdom here. <laughs> what they tell telling me, I don't think's right. All right, here, let me do this. I'm going to talk about the tongue. The natural function of the tongue is to taste. The nat- we're talking natural function. Let's think about this spiritually. Uh, Hebrews six five says speaks about those who have tasted the goodness of the of the word of God and the power of the age to come. Hey, listen, you can never taste that. There's something called spiritual taste where you, just like there's spiritual sight and being able to hear in the Spirit, being able to feel things, sense it, there's a taste where you can taste. And you know what? you People who struggle with the goodness of the Lord, here's what you got to go back to. Holy Spirit, I will never know the goodness of the Lord without you. I need you to get a hold of my tongue. I'm mean, I need my spiritual tongue touched by God to begin to taste His goodness. And I think this, y'all, This goodness of God being good is a major, it continues to be a major issue with people. And we all need to be people who have settled that God is good. That's why that song that's been sung all over the earth right now, that blessing is power because it says he's good. He's good even though it don't feel like he's good sometimes. But I believe as we begin to get our spiritual tongues touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to take over your tongue. And uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. As everybody knows that Psalm thirty-four point verse eight. Okay, another function of the tongue. Listen to this. It aids in the chewing and swallowing of food and the swallowing of water. It aids in the chewing. This is crazy. I got off this off a of Colgate website, by the way. <laughs> about how the t- I want to. How's the, what's the tongue do? I know it does some stuff. I need to know more about the tongue, Lord. So. You can't, if you don't have a tongue, you're going to have to take food and nourishment through a thing stuck in your arm. Spiritually, we can't take in the word of the Lord. We're not able to process. We're not able to meditate even, because that would be the chewing thing on God's Word. And it enables us to, for the Word of the Lord to come into our hearts, come into our, the realm of our soul and do what it's meant to do to cause our hearts and our souls to be that good soil that Jesus talked about in Matthew or Mark 4 when He talked about the parable of the sowers. Remember that? All the four different kinds of soil and the ones that received the Word 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. That's what the tongue does. It enables us to take that and receive that and process that and begin to understand and get revelation on what God is, is telling us. Isn't that an amazing thing? All right, here's another one. I'm almost finished. I'm coming down to the wire, y'all. The tongue, Lord have mercy, enables us to speak. Uh, when I was a little boy, back in those days, there were people that were what they called tongue-tied. Tongue-tied. And you know you got that little piece of thing under your tongue that kind of holds your tongue, whatever they call that. I don't, I didn't catch what they called it, but it's a piece of skin or something. And so sometimes babies are born with too much of that, and it keeps their tongue from being able to move. I can remember the first time I ever heard a man talking with his tongue tied. Hey, how you doing? That's the way it sounded because his tongue wasn't allowed movement. Of course, we know now when babies are, many babies are born like that, I believe, they can just snip that, and it loosens their tongue. So we're, the Holy Spirit, while He was trying to say, He was wanting to get a hold of some people's tongues and begin to teach people how to speak. He wasn't just talking about in tongues. God is very interested in your tongue and what you say. And the Holy Spirit wants to get some control over that. I hate to tell you that. You can't communicate what's in you without the Holy Spirit. Just like you can't communicate in the natural what's in you. If your tongue, you didn't have a tongue. You would be broken in communication. Broken. It's amazing. And one thing for sure, this is true. The speech center of your brain controls your entire brain. Oh, doctors know that. Neurologists know that today. That's what controls your entire thinking process is the speech center. Yet 2,000 years ago, Brother James said this in James chapter 3, the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. It can direct a huge ship's direction. A huge ship. And see what the Holy Spirit wants to do is get a hold of some people's tongues. Years ago, I had this situation happen to me. It was terrible. We were in church, business lady in the church, an awesome woman, we were chit-chatting out there, and I've known this woman for years, have a great relationship with her, so, you know, you kind of kind of pick a little bit with people you know like that, right? I said something to her, it really offended her terribly, I didn't know it at the time. Also, I'd been praying, Lord, put your silver bridle of the Holy Spirit on my tongue. That had been something God had been telling me to pray, so I Joking around with her, it wasn't anything coarse or nasty or you know what anything. It was just normal, like I would do with anybody I felt real comfortable with. But it wounded her. The next day I get this phone call from her, and on the other end of the phone is I am getting blasted. I mean, she tore into me tooth and nail, and uh, my first response was, "Wait a minute now." I was it, and right in the middle there, I heard this voice. But you said. And I knew what the Holy Spirit said. But you said you wanted me to put the silver bridle on your tongue. And right that minute, I just said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Say, go ahead and say what you want to say. She finished it. I said, I'm very sorry. I should not have said it. I spoke. I spoke wrongly. Now, that took... I mean, I didn't feel that. I was (laughs) like, how dare you? (laughs) If I could get my hands on you right now. (laughs) That's what I was feeling. But I realized right then the Holy Spirit said, you want me to train you? Then when I say be quiet, you be quiet. And at that moment, I realized sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't want us saying stuff. And we need to keep our mouth shut. And when he wants us to speak, let's speak. Let me read this really scripture. I'm not going to ask you if you're okay. Because I know you are. Listen, what 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says. When I was a child, listen, when I was a child, I spoke, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Now, turn that around. Okay? Thought leads to reasoning. Your thoughts lead to an understanding. And then your understanding comes out. Projects out of your mouth. That's what you speak. It's what you understand. What you've thought about. What you've reasoned through in your mind. So you speak it. Okay. And that's what Paul was saying about, about love. Is you can speak all this stuff. But you're being childish. And it's time. It's time to put up. Put away childish things. It really is. And the way the Bible says. A man who's, who's grown up matured. Is a man who is what you can tell by what they speak. And so let me remind y'all of this. I think I might I'm not gonna be tired of saying this for the next ten years. Hebrew decade five, eight, eight, zero. Eight representing speech. Speech, talking, communication. If you go back and study the decades, I went back to the, about Forties, I think, just to see if, and try to see what the Hebrew numbers and what they represented, and what was happening with the body of Christ. You can look at it, and you'll see. Oh, wow! This is pretty. This is pretty accurate. We're in the time of learning how to speak. We're in the time of learning how to say things. The world is full of axe throwing accusation, criticism. That's that's all there is out there. Anger. It's time for us to learn to speak. And when the, Holy, so when the Holy Spirit came on them that day, it wasn't just so they could speak in another language, which that's awesome, but he wanted to also give them what Jesus said he had, the tongue of the learned. Because he had the tongue of to the learned. He says that in Isaiah It's prophesied because the Father taught him. The Father taught him. He taught him how to speak. And so I think this Pentecost, you know, really is like a new beginning for the church. And I think it's time for the church really to begin to learn how to speak the word of the Lord. It's time for the church to learn how to take up the sword of the Spirit. But it's not something we just do because we think we can do it. It's something we do under his guidance, under his lordship, un- being submitted to him and allowing the word of the Lord to come forth in whatever situations the Lord puts us in. And so to me, y'all have gotten awful serious on me. This is what Pentecost is. This is the first Pentecost in this new decade. This new Hebrew decade. It's the first one. It really is a new beginning for the church. It really is a new time for us to really set our hearts towards allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to take over our tongues and begin to teach us how to speak. And when we speak wrong, just humble yourself and say, I'm sorry. And say, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me because I'm not smart enough not to do that. So I just wanted to... In this, uh, and I just wanted to pray um, for us, okay? And then I'm going to ask Marlon to come up here and bring the ministry team up. But I wanted Marlon to come because he had some words of knowledge for healing. And if you might happen to have, I was supposed to say this earlier, I'm sorry, but if you happen to have one, you can communicate that to Marlon. Let me say this about prayer. If you want to come up for prayer, if you don't want anybody to touch you, that's acceptable. Okay, it is totally acceptable if you're not comfortable being touched. Just tell the person, don't touch me. They're going to be happy to pray for you. They're going to love to pray for you. But if you're happy to be prayed for and touched, have at it. You know, let them love on you. Let them anoint you with oil. You, 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 it's, it's your choice. You, but I do believe that God wants to release I believe really, really he wants to release healing in this room today. He came to heal the broken hearted. He came to open the blind eyes. That's spiritual and, and, you know, natural. He came to set people free. He came to get you out of debt. He came to give you a hope in a future. And that's what God wants to do for us. So I want to pray. Lord, we just thank you today as Pentecost, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Uh, We ask you, Holy Spirit, we invite you again, afresh. Uh, There's just more of you, Holy Spirit, that we have not experienced. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to fall on us afresh. We offer our tongues. Tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I offer you my tongue. I offer you, be careful now. (laughs) That's a dangerous prayer. You can have my tongue, Holy Spirit. Lord, anoint our tongues with the oil of gladness. Anoint our tongues with power, Lord. Anoint our tongues with authority, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for those in this room and those who are out there listening in, Lord, that the power of God would come on us like he did at Pentecost, and we would begin to be students of the Holy Spirit in a new way. This is a new time for us to learn some new things and become something new. It's a new day for you. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. The Holy Spirit wants to release that fresh start to you. So God bless you. Thank you, people who, who tuned in. Uh, Marlon, I'm going to ask Marlon to give these words of knowledge, and then maybe the ministry team could come in. And if you'd like prayer, you can come.
1: Good to see you guys. Hopefully my accent is still clear. There's a translator coming, by the way. So if we can have the ministry team come up and And if you're comfortable with somebody like Baron said, I just want to repeat that part. If you're comfortable with someone laying hands on you, do that part. If you're not comfortable with that, it will be okay.
2: de va, va a venir, y si usted está eh, cómodo para que pongan sus manos sobre ti, está bien. Y si no, está bien igual.
1: There's grace for that. Hay gracia. And no, no judgment whatsoever.
2: No hay juicio.
1: You know, I just want to encourage us to think about the scriptures in Romans. You know,
2: quiero que pienses en las escrituras en Romanos.
1: You know, that encourages not to cause a brother to stumble.
2: Que nos anima a que no hagamos a nuestro hermano caer.
1: So let's be sensitive towards that.
2: Así que seamos sensibles.
1: So I was getting emotional healing.
2: Estaba teniendo una sanidad emocional.
1: So if, you know what I mean, and I'm talking about like a deep wound that is in your heart.
2: Telling hablando de profundas heridas en tu corazon.
1: The other thing that I was getting, hey, what, what did you have there, Byron? I think Byron had one too. But the Pero, other thing I was left ankle.
2: Creo que Byron tuvo también una una palabra así eh, en tu eh, tobillo izquierdo.
1: The other thing I was hearing was the mind. The mind. La mente. That the Lord wants to heal somebody's mind.
2: Dios quiere sanar la mente de alguien.
1: Like you're tormented.
2: Como que estás atormentado.
1: So if that's you, hear that you can just come up, or if you know somebody that's going through that part, you have them come up.
2: Si eres tú, puedes pasar adelante, o si conoces a alguien, puedes pasar.
1: The other thing I was getting was migraine headaches.
2: También migrañas y y dolores de cabeza.
1: And hip. Dolores de Somebody, somebody's hip is messing up.
2: En la tiene en la There's a
1: lot of pain and discomfort for that part.
2: Discomfort y dolor.
1: And then the other thing I was getting was uh, maybe like blurry vision on the right
2: eye. And
1: that's all I got.
2: Y eso es todo lo que tu...
1: And the cataract. Y so catarates. if you get cataract. So. En los ojos. so if that's so you can come up, if not, I'm just going to also release you guys so that you're not
2: sitting there awkwardly <laughs> I <laughs> and I
1: just want to repeat that the Lord bless you
2: que el Señor te bendiga,
1: the Lord keep you
2: que el Señor te cuide,
1: and may His lovely face shine upon you
2: y que su rostro brille sobre ti.
1: and grace upon grace
2: grace upon grace
1: Amen
2: Amen